I'm, I'm running things today. So, yes. of course, I'm Derek Harper. You're Jeff Skin Wade. And, and we're going. And this is our um, third show. We're going to get into a lot of different topics today. Uh, I guess I, I have to start with what's going on right now in sports, and that's the NBA Finals. I thought Miami blew a crazy opportunity, if you would, Skin, uh, against the Lakers the other night. I thought they would win game four. I wanted them to win game four, Harp. I want, because, you know, for the when it's not teams that you are personally invested in, you know, I'm talking about from the fan perspective, then give me the best possible series. There's nothing better than you want seven games. I want words. seven games. <laughs> I want the bottom of the ninth <laughs> inning. I want one last drive. And that's, you know, give me Overtime, that. Overtime. Right, get right. That too. So I, I love all that stuff. And, you know, the way that the series started with the injuries. And it just felt like, okay, this is not going to be a good series. And then Jimmy Butler showed out oh, in yes, game did. three. And so game four was was uh, a satisfying game yeah. except for the final result because 3-1 feels a lot different than 2-2, man. Well, you're in a closeout situation when you start yeah. talking about 3-1. I mean, the Lakers, have, uh, LeBron, I should say, nobody else, not many other guys, maybe J.R. Smith, he's not getting much run, has been in that situation for the Lakers. So LeBron, I think – has an advantage over everybody involved, except for Pat Riley right. and Eric Spolstra, right. if you would. Those guys have been there and done that as well. But, you know, for, for me, I, I look at it as Miami being a little bit they're, – they're, I, I won't say that they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're mature enough, if you would. Yeah. Adebayo, great player, learning, all-star this year. Right. But the timing of some of the stuff that they do, I, I, I don't think – is conducive to winning this time of the year. Yeah. Certainly it's a, a bubble season, unprecedented, something we've never experienced as sports fans and people that cover the game in the NBA. But if they had a little more experience, the heat, I mean, mm-hmm. and just knew when to go, when to slow, when to launch up threes, and I know that's what they live by, the league lived by three-pointers. But some of the ill-advised threes, I think, yeah. that the heat are taking in this series – I think has been detrimental to 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 them winning in in close games. And let's face it, with the exception of the one game where where LeBron came out, uh, Anthony Davis came out, and those guys were just the better team. They mm-hmm. were bigger, they were stronger, they were faster, and their IQ seemed to prove a little bit better than Miami that particular game. I think it was Game Two mm-hmm. that they uh, they blew uh, the the Heat out. It's been a pretty interesting series series as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know that thing you're talking about too about knowing when to go and when to slow. Jimmy Butler has not been in those deep run situations because yeah. of the types of teams he's been on, but I look at him as the guy that they would follow in that situation and there were several moments in that fourth quarter where he had the ball at the elbow. Mm-hmm. And, and you're he, like, go. Go. And yeah. he's looking around. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, Jimmy, right yeah. now. Yeah, go and get 40 again. I, right. <laughs> and I know part of that too is – Boy, just having someone like Anthony Davis that can erase Mm -hmm. defensive mistakes, that guy is so talented. Yeah. You know, and so and so they can make up for a lot of things that way. It's interesting the way the league has changed, and yet here the Lakers are with all these big gigantic dudes. Yeah, you know, and, and playing the way that they play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, and, and on that note, mm-hmm. you talk about gigantic, and I'm, clearly you're talking about Anthony Davis as well when you're talking about a large player on the floor in an era where I think the game has sort of changed to, to smaller players and small. Anthony Davis was a, a guard yeah. in high school. He grew inches, ton, what I think seven yeah. inches 
when he uh, when he left high school. But he's capable of being on the floor when other teams want to play small. Houston Rockets, prime example. They were a small team, and they played small. He was able to switch out on guys like Harden, yeah. Russell Westbrook, and keep those guys in front of him. So I, I think you, the Lakers are a unique team. Even though they're big, they have some guys that have small guys, small man skills and can can kind of compete with whatever. I think the Lakers are going to be really dominant for a long time. They're going to be good, and I think come out of the West, unless the Mavericks find that okay, little rough I like rider. Where we're going. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think Dallas can compete against anybody. I think they showed that. Right. It's not me being a fan of the Mavericks. It's based on what they put on the floor, and mm-hmm. I, I'll say it. Uh, until the season starts back, if Jalen Brunson had been healthy, mm-hmm. Dwight Powell had been healthy, two right. kind of roughneck guys, glue guys that do a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet. If we had those guys, if the Mavericks had those guys, they would have got past the Clippers, and mm-hmm. we would have saw them against the Lakers. And if you go back to the regular season, not the bubble season, the Mavericks had a lot of success skin against the Lakers. Yes. All the games were close right. with the exception of one. I think the Lakers got away from Dallas in one of those games. But the Mavericks have guys like Luka, um, KP, mm-hmm. that aren't afraid. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, mm-hmm. Dwight Powell, I just mentioned, Brunson. Those guys seize the moment of an opportunity to go up against the best. Right. And when you have that mentality, you have that kind of skill. When you talk about KP and you talk about Tim Hardaway Jr., guys that are, are, are specialists as far as knocking down perimeter sh- shots, Seth Curry, you have a chance, man, night in and night out. So I'm really interested to, to the season starting back, even though it, it's, it's not, it hasn't ended yet. I'm, in, I'm really excited about the season starting back and, and what Dallas can do in the Western Conference. I am too, and uh, I love the fact that we have two pretty good draft picks. You know, when you have the top pick of the second round, that's a valuable draft pick. I think they have the 18th pick, and so whether they draft guys or use those to add mm-hmm. a more seasoned guy to the mix, I'm looking forward to that. But you, you said two things there that, that really interested me. You know, we always talked about, quote-unquote, small ball. Yes. But what I've always really thought, I thought that that was misnamed. It's really, <laughs> it's skill ball. Yes, it is. And usually, well usually dudes that are guards and wings have skills, and so like when Nelly would go small ball, well, he'd go if if Sean Bradley could cross guys up and hit three. Yeah. Sean Bradley would have been on the floor. Perfect for Nelly. Too. Yeah, Anthony Davis is is exactly yeah. that, and for the reason you laid out, and and that's why I love like uh, you know whenever there's changes in the game. Yeah, I love to see the effect four and five years down the road because that impacts teenagers and what teenagers are doing, right? It's like the whole idea where Chris Webber used to talk about, well, I wanted to play like Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris Webber's an excellent passer. And a Michigan guy from yes. Michigan, yes. from Detroit. And so it's like, I love the ripple effect, and we're going, and I think we're moving there right now anyways, but we're going to probably see a time harp where there's three or four guys that are 6'10 and above Absolutely. that are like on the perimeter and throwing it around like guards and cutting – that's where the game is going. It's the skill is is back in the game at all positions. Yeah, yeah. I, I pay attention to high school basketball. Mm-hmm. I even go to high, some high school games around the area. And if you look at every big, to your point, that's out on the floor, they can do exactly those things that you the things that Anthony Davis is doing. Right. Bam out of bio. Right. Same thing. He's yeah. a skilled guy, which I really didn't learn until the bubble. Mm-hmm. 
the skill set that he has as a big to bring the ball up to court, to initiate the offense in a lot of situations. If you can't do that, and remember when you were growing up, you're, 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 I would keep talking about your pops being a coach, but remember growing up playing basketball, mm-hmm. bigs were not allowed, man. Get on your the ass court, on, the block, on the block right now. And sit your ass there, yeah. right? Don't ever come out here. Right. And now all of a sudden – you know, you run up and down the court. You look at all these teams in the league now. All of their bigs are doing just what guards do, mm-hmm. which I think, to your point again, t- it points to the skill set. You got to have skill. Right. What's the basics? Dribble, pass, shoot. That's the basics, regardless to how big you are, right? You got to mm-hmm. be able to put it on the deck. You got to be able to find open people. Luka does it better than anybody, mm-hmm. second to LeBron in assists this year. KP, underrated passer. But a 6'11", 7-foot bar, 7'2", if you would, player that can do all of those things. So I agree with you wholeheartedly that that's where the game is going. It's going to a more more skilled league. And with that being said, I just think from an entertainment value, the game is going to be fun. It's going to be totally exciting, man, and going to give everybody a lot of fun to to sit down press row and watch the game it's a style of basketball it's great to watch and I I remember this funny conversation where I was very wrong about this uh when I was doing Mavs postgame show at the ticket Mm -hmm. and I remember having a conversation with the program director over there a guy named Jeff Catlin and we were talking about Kevin Durant at UT and we're talking about him. He's a writer, Catlin. Uh, no, different. You're thinking Jeff Kaplan. Kaplan. Yeah, this part. guy's Jeff Catlin. I knew I knew the name. Yeah, Kaplan's a good guy. Yeah. I, I miss old Kaplan. I haven't yeah. seen him in a long time. I don't know if I miss him. I don't know if I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is. But, uh, but anyways, we're talking about Kevin Durant. Yes. And, you know, Kevin Durant's 6'10", or whatever he is. He's mm, grown to almost. about him. Yeah, and played it right. so long. Wow. And we're sitting there talking. I'm like, well, you know, he's going to have to fill out to be a power forward in the NBA. No. He's going to be some it can be, it can, big man anything. Put a cheerio right. And, and be that great. No question It was about just it. that old mentality of, okay, you're this tall. Well, once you do this. And I remember yeah. the conversations with Dirk where it's like, okay, when he fills out, he's seven yeah. foot. Is he a center? And then Nelly's like, I'm going to start you at small forward right, right. now. And it's yeah. the game just changes and the, well, the old way. Well, he changed the game. Yes. Dirk Nowitzki on, yeah. on that note. He changed the game. With I think shooting. that's the, that's the greatness of Dirk. Yeah. And that's why you see a lot of bigs. Anthony Davis, man, I, I, I declare to you, Stitskin, when I see him on the perimeter, on the broadcast, I say it all the time. If he's going to beat me from the three-point line, so be it. Right. You don't overreact to him taking a lot of threes. Well, now the guy's one of the better three-point shooters. I think he's shooting 40-plus percent, percent. He's hit two huge threes I in mean, clutch situations. Game, yes. In, in game four right. the other night, he hit a big three at the top of the key. And I'm like, he's not going to make that. And darn if the it. shot didn't go in. Yeah. So, you know, there's a premium on shooting the basketball, and I think Dirk is the big reason why, because you didn't see, you know, Jack Sigma. People forget yeah, yeah, Jack yeah. in Seattle. He could shoot the ball. BLM Beer. Yeah, right. In the past, guys that, that were in my era, they could shoot the ball, but they didn't stretch the floor like right. a Dirk Nowitzki did. And I got to be honest with you, man. I didn't know if that would work. Come, come When Dirk came into the league, mm-hmm. his first year in the league, I'm like, God, this guy – is just shooting threes. He just shoots, shoots, shoots. He's seven foot tall, yet his game, the 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 big part of his game is to shoot perimeter shots. Let's see how it works. Mm-hmm. And darn if it didn't. Not only did it work, it changed the whole complex of NBA basketball. Everybody's looking for Dirk now. Yeah. And I don't think they're necessarily going overseas to try to find him, but 
right now, that's what this league is. And Dirk has had a, had a big hand in changing the whole way that we look at uh, NBA basketball, college basketball, high school basketball. Now people are looking for the, the, the next Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, and good luck would. finding it, right? Well, you're not going to find it. Not, not that did it the way, the way uh, Dirk did it. I mean, you're not going to find Wilt Chamberlain again. <laughs> right, you know right. what I mean? They're, yeah. they're just some guys. And I, uh, uh, while we're talking about this, man, I am so sick of people saying, having the question is, who's the GOAT? Because there's not a GOAT, man. Right. There are just, there's a Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. maybe. And I heard some guys talking about this on one of the shows the other day. And I, I, I really agreed with, with, I think it was Richard Jefferson that, that made the comment, man, that there are, just, there are just some greatness, man, that you have to tip your hat to, Skin, mm-hmm. when it comes to, to, to who's, who's the best of all time. Mm-hmm. I've had the discussion with Eddie Johnson. I played with him at Illinois. Whether or not Dirk is top 20 players all time. He says no. So I respectfully disagree with him mm-hmm. because I feel like anytime you have a hand in changing the NBA, mm-hmm. you got to be considered one of the top players right. ever to play the game. Right. And there's no there's nowhere around it. And I think we forget about some of the all-time greats as well that that don't get their due mainly because they're not playing in a new era. Mm-hmm. But man, they've been there've been some dominant players, man, that just have had a unique skill set. That's carried the NBA for a long time. Here's the way I look at this, and this is not good for debate shows, you know, and that type of program. Yeah. But here's the way I look at it, because, and I'm not I'm not riding the fence on this, but this is the way I, I believe. Yeah. So to oh, me, to me, <laughs> it's about when you get to a certain level. It's just degrees of excellence, right? And and so someone's sitting there going, "Well, I think Michael Jack or Michael Jordan's a goat, and I'm I think LeBron's a goat." And I'm like, "Well, I'll win championships with either one of those guys. That's exactly. Give me right. either one. Well, well I sir. like Tim Duncan. Well, I like Dirk. All right. Well, I'll win championships with both those well, guys sir. because if I put Dirk on the floor with Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and that cast, he would have he would have won more <laughs> no championships. Question. And you know what? <laughs> Duncan would have won a championship here. No question. We're talking about so I'm like you're. Splitting hairs on excellence. So I'm like, cool, I'll take the one you don't take, and I'll go win a championship with him. Because there's just, to me, it's about, are the people we talking about, are they on the highest of high levels? And I just don't, you know, whether or not Eddie Johnson thinks he's 21st or 15th, he's on the level we're talking about. Eddie does radio, just like you. In, in, In the Arizona area, he does a lot of NBA radio. Got to talk about something, yeah. And you got to throw out things like that, right. Just to have people bite on it. You stir the pot. You stir the pot. There's you no and I are both Randy it. Galloway fans, and that guy was yeah. the most pot the stirring best. sob of all Overreaction time. Monday, yeah. After the Cowboys, right. you know what I mean, right? And I, I just think that that's part of what we do and what what we talk about. But I don't know. There are certain guys to me, man. When it comes to you know whether or not you come, that's why you can't rag on LeBron because oh even gosh. though he's had his moments. Of not coming through, he's gotten there so many times. Ken. He's been to ten finals ten in the last finals. eleven years. You're not going to win ten. No, Michael Jordan is six for six. What? What did Wilt win two? <laughs> I mean, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem. Well, Kareem won more. Yeah, Shaq won a bunch of them. But you show me a, a guy that's won a lot of championships. Steve Kerr has what six? Yeah. Robert Ory right. has a bunch of championships as well. You show me those kind of guys, man, and I promise you, I can show you. a Guys, that individual greatness has to be surrounded mm-hmm. by outstanding, um, cunning, smart, 
whatever you want to say, other basketball players. Right. And that you surround that greatness with other people, man, and you're going to be successful. And no, it's no. all about winning and being – and that's how you get – Placed up on Mount Rushmore. Right. To your point, those. Give me, before you, you say that, Skin, give me your top five players really quick. I mean, to me, it's like the first three that pop into my mind are Michael Jordan. I would put LeBron James in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the guy that never gets mentioned enough, and I think because people put Wilt Chamberlain there, are we really going to keep Kareem out of there? You can't. You can't. You cannot. Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem, I would say those guys first. I'm a lot older than you. You can tell by the grade that I have. And if I grew my hair out, it would match my beard. <laughs> However, be, when a guy scores 100 points and gets 50 rebounds, right. he's on my Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. You understand? When a guy has an unstoppable, like Dirk we were talking mm-hmm. about, when a guy has an unstoppable shot-making ability like Kareem, mm-hmm. he's going to be on my Mount Rushmore. Now, you can go to LeBron and you can go to Michael Jordan, who I played against right. for most of my career, I think, Two years or a year separates us from being in the league. I've guarded Michael. There are different in other intangibles that makes Michael one of the top two players ever to play the game. Right. And it's his approach and his mentality. I don't think anybody, if you want to start talking about that, yeah. then I'll say it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, because the- I think his mentality and the way he approached it, you saw it in the last dance. This guy was a killer. He was a killer. So whenever we were doing the whole uh, Michael Jordan versus LeBron thing on the radio, I always took Jordan, uh, even though, you know, LeBron's bigger and stronger and all these things. And the the metaphor I'd use is there's this old uh, Mad Max movie, Beyond Thunderdome, Mm -hmm. all right? And in this movie, they had this thing, and it's like the post-apocalyptic world. It's all these crazy people. And they had this thing called Thunderdome. And they would go, two men enter, one man leave. So two guys go in that arena and one guy's going to literally kill the other guy, and he gets to walk out of the arena. And the thing I always said is, if you put Michael Jordan and LeBron in that arena, Jordan <laughs> would kill LeBron and walk out. <laughs> and if that's, if that's how you want to define whatever it is, he is the most ass-kicking son of a bitch of all time. He I, I, will I, I like not lose. I the way you put that, man. Put him in a room. Put him in a room and yeah. see why. Let it's, them walk it's down the, uh, the alley and fight each other yeah. all the way down that alley. And is that a knock on LeBron? Hell no. All. It's just not. He's been the 10 finals. Yes. It's not a knock on. It's so the you, three dogs, one bone thing, right? Yeah. Wait, which one yeah. of those dogs who's is going to get, get the bone? Yeah, who's going to come out with Jordan's going to get that bone every time. I totally agree with you, and I, I'm, I'm basing it, again, on experience. There's one guy. You said we got Wilt, we got um, Kareem, LeBron, and and, uh, and Michael Jordan. George. So then, Who's what I struggle guy? with is, okay, do I take LeBron out of there so I can put Magic and Larry in there, or is that I'm just me about. being the guy that grew up in the '80s I'm, I'm and glad saw you said their Magic and, and along with Larry? Yeah, know? but yeah, you go ahead, Skip. Ah, uh, oh, man. <laughs> See, this yeah, is impossible, dumb. right? That's, that's um, my point. How do you just just label guys top five players? You can't. It's, and I, I think people more than than, than anything want to want to dismiss Kareem and right. Wilt and the new generation. You know it because you're a basketball guru. You mm-hmm. love the game. You love know it. the past. I've heard you you talk about the past. Um, Bill Russell. You know, Bill Russell. And, and how dude, many championships did he win? Like nine or 11, 10, 11. And oh. I didn't. I didn't even get to. What, I haven't watched Oscar Robertson play hard. Oscar, oh I've seen. God. I've seen footage, Listen, but I've is, never. That guy had the thirty point triple double. Yeah, decades before, before yeah. any yeah, of these they dudes even keeping the stats on triple doubles when he was getting triple doubles. Right. right? 
So my, I guess my point is, how do you lead, How do you pick the top five players? I gave it to you, Skin, because I've tried, and I'm embarrassed on how many guys I've missed. left off. Guys that I love. Got Walt Frazier. I mean, you, do you know who else, man? I love Olajuwon. Elijah Can you imagine you said Magic? Al- yes. Can you imagine Olajuwon playing in the modern era? He would be bringing the ball up and crossing guys no up question. and shooting threes. No question. Tiny Archambault. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there, were, there are just so many great players until I don't think you can you can label top five. You know, right. It's like picking all pro teams, right. all NBA teams. You know, you Luka didn't make it last year, yet mm-hmm. he had a sensational season. I thought he should have. I was happy he made first team this year mm-hmm. because – he deserved that. If you're basing it on numbers and what a guy does out on the floor, night in and night out, Luke is going to make all, first team All Pro every single season. And you know the other thing, Harp too, is so much of this is the situation you get put in, which is for the most part out of your control. Now in the modern era, we have guys grouping up and their agents are doing all this stuff and putting yeah. guys together. But you know, Magic was incredible. But Magic, I mean, how in the hell did the Lakers do the maneuvering to have the first pick in the draft to get James Worthy when they already had Jabbar and they already had Magic and they had Michael Cooper and all of these guys? And so it's like, as incredible as Magic is, Magic was in an incredible situation. As incredible as Larry is, Larry had McHale and Parrish. I mean, that's... You can say that about any championship team. Right. You know when you when you have when you win consistently, like people talk about Pat Riley, and I'm going coaches now. Phil Jackson, the winningest coach in the history of the game. Don Nelson is up there. Lenny Wilkins, all of the um, Chuck Daly, mm-hmm. the 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 late Chuck, Chuck Daly, won two back to back championships. Skin, they they coach greatness. Yeah, you know they and and I say this in a joking way. You and I could coach Magic. Kareem, Worthy, and the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. We could coach Mikael, Parrish, and Larry Bird. Right. Because you sit over there and you shut up and you let those guys do what they do. They right. have a lot of co- – all those teams, the one thing they have in – the one thing the championship caliber teams have in common is they already have a built-in coach on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's why they were so successful. It's not a coincidence, man. There, there are only a few teams that when they start an NBA season – they can look themselves in the mirror as as twelve guys or fifteen guys, however many guys on the on the floor, look themselves in the mirror and say, "Hey, at the start of this season, when the ball is is, is tossed up for the first jump ball, we can win a championship." Mm-hmm. Now nobody's going to give up. Nobody's not going to go and compete every single night. That's that's what the four hundred plus players are about. Right. But to legitimately say you have a chance, everybody can't say that. And no. those people that we're talking about right now. Top five, top 10, top 20, top 25, top 50 players. Mm-hmm. That's where you separate those guys. You know what's uh, funny about that conversation, too, Harp, is like whenever you see these lists and they have five people, my first reaction is going, I bet I can get five people and win some games against them. Right. You know, it's because right. there's, yeah, you know, they, I mean, there's Carmelo, there's Charles yes, Barkley, there's yes. David Robinson, yes. there's, you know, they're just Chris Mullins. They're just so many great players, man, until I think. We almost take these guys for granted. We man. do. So I, you know, as we much, take LeBron for granted. There's no question, man. As much as I, 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 I disagree with Eddie that Dirk was, he can make an argument that he's not. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Pick your flavor. Just like going to the the Basket and Robins, right? Mm-hmm. You can get all sorts of flavors there, man. And that that's what the NBA is to me. And I just think it's in great hands right now. Now that the the 
the the the the tide has kind of turned mm-hmm. into something else. It's a new league, like it's, it or not. The the old is kind of going away. Right. Even LeBron, he made third team All NBA this year. <laughs> as great as he is, <laughs> right, but crazy. he's going to win a championship. Yeah. He was runner up. Right. To Adetokounmpo. Right. For MVP. For MVP during mm-hmm. the regular season. I mean, go figure, man. And Tacumpo still hasn't seen a. Oh yeah, he was in the conference finals, but lost two years ago. Yeah, he, but he uh, needs help. He needs help to the to what we're talking about. Yeah. One guy can't get it. He done. need he needs Luca and Porzingis. <laughs> man, if that guy came in, you know, there was a time when if you said something like that, I'd be like, man, come on, you can't put the, that that guy here with, right. with KP and with Luca. But that's what people are doing. And that's now, what man. they're doing. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're building championship teams and. I mean, for crying out loud, LeBron was trying to get Kawhi. Yeah, to come I know, to, LA to, LA. to play with he and Anthony Davis. That would have been man. That would have been on, such man. the shrug your shoulders and go ah screw come this on. league moment. Well, you think anyway, right. Unless it doesn't work together, because I thought when Paul George went to the Clippers that it was over, especially yeah. from a defensive standpoint. Right. I was thinking, oh man, these guys are going to stop everybody. Right. Didn't happen. They couldn't stop Luca and KP. Well, no KP, but they couldn't stop the Mavericks. Couldn't stop Luca. I hate to put it like that. I can't. I can't tell. Uh, you know, I've had so many conversations, and I think you and I might have talked about this before the playoffs. Where, hey man, the worst matchup for the Mavericks is the Clippers because they have all these guys to beat up Luca, mm-hmm. and they still had all those guys, and Luca still danced. I mean, mm-hmm. he put on a show. Yeah, it was thirty. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was something close to that. I mean, it was he was flirting with the triple double numbers and then mm-hmm. scoring at a very high I think clip. Twenty nine, like nine and eight in the play in your first time in the playoffs. <laughs> Against dudes that have won MVP in the finals and all defensive dudes. Yeah, I be teasing. I tease you guys sometimes about uh, Lucas sheets and pillowcases. Yeah, and all that. I think I'm gonna get some. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, I mean, I, this dude is unreal, man. He's I just mean, so much fun. Yeah, he's so he, excellent he's, and uh, so much fun. It's a great you know, combo. You want to? You don't want? You don't want to? You don't want to give it to a guy so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, we always want to make a guy earn it. Well, let's see what he does. Against Kawhi. Let's see what he does next year. You're always trying to pump the brakes on greatness. Right. We do it with everybody. Yeah. I, I don't care how good you are. It's always like, ah, but he can't shoot threes. I mean, we, we, we got, when it comes to Luka, we had to start talking about him not shooting threes well or free throws well. Mm-hmm. I mean, so what? The guy was great. Right. And going to be a first, unless barring something catastrophic happening, going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, just like all the I, greats. I love, too, that his free throw percentage is going uh, up. Yeah. and he'll, free- shoot, he'll shoot 80% before yeah. his career is all said and done, man. Um, I, Shucks, we got to talk about your Cowboys. Uh, I, if you want to call them my Cowboys, I'll let you well, do that. I'm America's disowning those team, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about America's team. and I, I'll, I'll give you the give you the mic and let you start on the Well, so – here, here, I'll, I'll put it to you in a nutshell. So the, these first four games, obviously very disappointing, mm-hmm. and the defense is atrocious. I mean, to already be talking about firing the defensive coordinator that you just hired when they he's not on, that, they, they won't. They won't. Um, they need better players, Hart. And in any sport, on defense, are you on defense. Okay. Oh, I love their offense, and they're, you know they they're beat up on the offensive line, but they're still putting up points. But on points. on defense. They don't have the guys, and the guys that they've paid, whether it's they overvalued them or they're hurt. Like, I know Demarcus Lawrence plays hurt, and 
and I and I get all that. I'm not calling out Demarcus Lawrence, but they're paying him at a level to which he's not producing. Mm-hmm. And so when you have multiple guys, whether it's injuries or whatever, and they're not producing to their contract, See, you're not is gonna. He, is he was he normally a down lineman though? That, that... so. So what they're doing right now, right? They're now they're got guys in two point stances, yeah, and they're, yeah, they're, yeah. that takes time. Yes. And this is a season that there was not a preseason. These are all things that you would they they were in a bubble. This is not normal. So if you're yeah. going to come in and change your scheme, mm-hmm. but that's not the way football fans are. It's off with your head. This things. So look, their defense was not going to be good because they didn't have enough. Guns, but yeah. their defense. Did they address it during the offseason? So, yeah, so they added McCoy and Poe, then McCoy got hurt and is going to miss the whole season. So, that's for the interior. Poe is not delivering. Everson Griffin, uh, you know, by name and by resume, was a great addition. He's done nothing. Um, and then, uh, you know, Leighton Vanderesh being hurt, he's their most versatile linebacker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jalen Smith is a great story. But Jalen Smith got overpaid, and mm-hmm. he's really, quite honestly, he's a linebacker from a different era, mm-hmm. and he's being asked to do things now because Van Der Esch is out. And has, in all due respect, been servable. Yeah, yeah. Dude, yes. he, he, but he's paid like he's yeah, more than all that. world. Like so he's all a, that, a new Lawrence Taylor or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and all that talk about how much Dak is or isn't worth. My point during all that is, look, you're going to pay your quarterback, mm-hmm. all right? So if you have one, you're going to pay him. The NBA, or, I mean, the NFL proves that. Yes. There's no question And if about you it. don't everybody, pay him, you're going to be looking yeah, for another everybody quarterback. Everybody at the quarterback position has been compensated Yeah, fairly, I think. But if you're sitting here arguing about whether or not Dak is worth 32 or 37, I'm sitting here going, well, none of that matters if you overpay these other two guys because it's the same money. It's the same salary cap. Mm-hmm. We focus in so much on what a quarterback gets that you mm-hmm. forget, hey, that guy that you're paying 22 is giving you $12 million of production. So why are you sitting here over and about arguing about $5 million on the quarterback? There's $10 million you ain't yeah. you ain't getting. Yeah. And so th- this team, uh, and, and as bad as things have been, Harp, if they don't have back-to-back turnovers against Cleveland, I believe yeah. they win that game. Yeah. They already did that against Atlanta where they gave yeah. the ball up that many times and, and had the miracle win. And then you're sitting there at 2-2. Two and two. You don't think you're a great team, but you go, oh, we'll win the division starting. I mean, the division sucks. Yeah, of course. They can go 7-9 and nine maybe and win the damn division. Man, so, and there's talk about that shouldn't be the case, of course. And in and, 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 and all fairness to the Cowboys and Dak, didn't they offer him? So and I don't know. I, I, I don't need. I don't think I, you ever know whether you don't or not really something know. was laid on the table right. for a guy. It's like Norlis Noel, right? Yeah, the, the one year that we yes. wanted to sign him. It's the same kind of situation. I'm going back to basketball again, of course, but we're talking salary now, and it, supposedly he turned down mm-hmm. seventy million dollars that he ain't ever getting back. Well, of course not. He's not. Nah. But you just never. My point is that you just never know. What's actually been laid down in contract for you to have an opportunity to sign? Yeah. But I'll say this. If they offered what was quoted, Mm -hmm. then to me, Dak should have taken that deal. I agree with that. You know what I mean? He he should have taken that deal. And I can't tell a man what to sign. That's not not my place. I'm just saying. I thought that would have been a fair contract. I do too. And what I'm going to say about the the quarterback situation is that you're talking about all of them getting paid, Skin. I think they're the one guy that you cannot afford to dangle a carrot in front of. You can't play with that quarterback position because right. I, it's too too important. 
uh, when it comes to winning and losing. If you're quarterback, in all of sports, it's the most integral there position. There's no to that. question about it because yeah. that's the decision maker. That right. guy has to be free to go out and and not have a cluttered mind about a contract situation or whatever you're saying. You started with defense, Ken, and. In football, I think defense win championship just like in any other sport. You mm-hmm. got to be able to defend. Right. And after the Cleveland loss, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like anybody can come in here and score 30 points. They can <laughs> against the Cowboys. Yeah. And I, I, I say that in all, in all due respect, but if you can't stop people, and you compound that with turning the ball over, yeah. the way the Cowboy, right. You can be beat in any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday. I mean, you can lose games if you don't defend, and you're not you're, you're not good at protecting the football. I mean, how Dak is Dak is throwing what six interceptions, three, four mm, interceptions? Yeah, I don't remember off the top. Or of my three head. fumbles. Three fumbles, yes. To, to go along with it, so six yeah. turnovers he's had. Right. Cowboys lead the league, I think, in turnovers right now. And the by far and away the worst turnover ratio. In other words, yes. I think they have two takeaways and nine turnovers right. or whatever. They're turning it is. over, but they're not they're not getting turnovers. Right. Is basically what you're talking about when you start talking ratio. Yep. Yeah. To me, that is that's an Achilles heel Absolutely. For, for the Cowboys as a football team. I, I thought they would get more pressure. I did too. On the quarterback I this did year. Too. I really did. Adding Smith, as you were talking about earlier, and then Lawrence. But I, they, they have a winnable schedule mm-hmm. right now coming up. The next three games, they yep. should win those games. I just don't feel like people come into, come up against the Cowboys and they're like, oh, I don't want to play them. You know, and that, that, that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, Baker Mayfield, first half, looked like an all-pro quarterback. He licking his chops. Yeah, man. he was licking his chops. And granted, at the end, I think you saw who Cleveland really is because yeah. they were trying. They were like this. Let me just hold on <laughs> right, and right. get out of this storm that's coming at me, man. And they they were able to hold on. If you're just gonna throw, 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 throw. The other question I have a question for you: Do they throw the ball too much? Because well, Zeke has been forgotten. He's been forgotten, but I I think that's the problem of having multiple turnovers early in games. Right, as in, you right. shift your mentality. You got to get back into it. You got to get back into yeah. it. And I think like the Browns are a great example. The Browns are leading the league in rushing, I believe, or they're up there. Yeah. And they run all. And when you run all over everybody, it makes it easier on your quarterback. Yes. There is nothing more demoralizing in sports than watching the other team run on you and you can't do anything about it. When they're getting eight and nine yards a pop, mm. that is demoralizing yeah. and it wears your ass down. It reminds me, and I'm not, I didn't mean for this to be the podcast where we beat up Sean Bradley, right. but it reminds me <laughs> of when we would play the Lakers and Sean Bradley would have to cover Shaq. Yeah. And it's like, if he catches the ball, he's dunking. Yes. If he catches the ball, he's going to turn and dunk, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's no way to stop it. So he's like, all right, I'll put a guard on him, and mm-hmm. we'll do crazy we'll stuff. Double teaming on but the bounce. That's that, that to be physically dominated in any sport is the most yeah. demoralizing thing for a yeah. fan and for the guys on the field. Like even when the offense, who's playing well, looks out on the field when they're on the sidelines and watches the other team just go eight and nine yards every time they hand the mm-hmm. ball off. They're sitting there going, shoot, we ain't getting the yeah. ball back, are right, we? Right, right. And it's demoralizing. Where, where do they end up, though? Where, where do they? I think, they're, I think they end up seven and nine or eight and eight, mm-hmm. and I think they win the division. Haven't they been eight and eight the last two years? Uh, they're always – so in the DAC era, they had the great – 
twelve and four oh, rookie yeah, year. I remember that. And then I think they had. He a, won a, did he win a playoff game? No, he didn't. They got uh, to the playoffs they didn't. They year. lost to the Packers, Packers that year. Yeah, then the next year was a down year. Then the next year they got back in the playoffs and they beat. Is that the year they beat Seattle? No, they beat the Rams. I think was it the. Rams? They lost to the Rams. Lost There's one the year they right? beat Seattle and lost to the Rams. Yeah. I can't remember. And then was it last year they missed the playoffs again? And yeah, yeah they, they missed, missed playoffs last again year. last year. Yeah, so it's been it's been the up down up down up down kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Have you been impressed with uh, McCartney? I, it's too early. Um, so for, so I'm a little jaundiced by this because uh, KT on our show is a huge Packer fan. Yes. And he's a crazy, knowledgeable football guy. He actually watches film, okay, breaks nice. down college players. He knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's been telling me for the last six or seven years, uh, McCarthy will drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. Like as a Packer fan, he's expressing his frustration. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, okay, he knows that situation way better than me. Of course, he's a real talker. Mm-hmm. And so when we were starting going after, you Mc- are too, so. I try to be. Yeah. But when we started going after McCarthy, I was like, I don't want this guy just based on my experience as being friends with this guy that knows yes. the stuff that. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm trying to be open minded about it, but the things that uh, you know KT were frustrated about, I feel like I've seen. Uh, with this team, and I feel like, I feel like, I mean that like it's always going to be the Joneses team, mm-hmm. and you're always <laughs> going to be held to whatever their Standard vision is. of things is. Yeah. So, so under those guidelines, I would rather get one of these like hotshot young guys with new ideas and just see mm-hmm. how it works out, as opposed to. Here's another guy that's yeah, been around. Been here. There's no coach in the history of the NFL. Stuck in his ways. Stuck in his ways. There's no coach in the history of the NFL that won a Super Bowl and then went somewhere else and won it somewhere else. Right. Right? There's the a closest, reason for it. There's a re- the closest is probably Dick Vermeil. Like, he took that Philly team to a Super Bowl mm-hmm. that lost Love to the Dick Raiders. Isn't he a great dude? Yeah. And then I think, you know, he came out and then they won it with the Rams. And then, so he's kind of the closest to that. But uh, you know, it's the NFL moves fast. These these trends and these changes. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, there's gonna we're gonna we might be two years away from everyone saying that uh, McVeigh in L.A. is uh, out of his. He's right. uh, he's swimming out of his right. depths now, where right. he was the and, wonder and, kid two yeah, years I was just ago. Say he was regarded at very high, right? And like you were talking about, one of these new school guys that's gonna change the radar on, on the way guys coach the game offensively, and it's a copycat. Sport, yeah. Every football, basketball, everything that that's successful in sports, people try to copy that. Right. Prime example: Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Everybody thinks that they can just shoot threes and out out three you. Yeah. But you got to have that kind of personnel. Yeah. And to me, when you start talking offense, the Cowboys have that kind of personnel. Absolutely. Great personnel. I mean, yes. offensively, you got three guys that may have over a hundred yards receiving. CD Lamb is ridiculous. Oh, he's good. He's you Woo. know what the thing about him is he stays open. Yeah. You know, all of those guys. Cooper yeah. is always open. Uh Gallup, mm-hmm. he's always open. I mean, these guys are they're tremendous on the offensive side, but I just think it offsets because there's they're equally as bad on, on the de- defensive side of the, of the football. And I, the, the last thing I I, I want to say, Skin, is or ask, is the expectation for the Cowboys year in and year out, is it fair or unfair? Because they're always expected. You look at pregame shows mm-hmm. in, in, from the NFL, Right. a lot of guys pick the Cowboys. It's the Cowboys' year. It's the Cowboys' year. And they're right. doing it, I think, in, in respect to what they are as an offensive team. They're, they're, they're basing everything on how good Dak is, right. Zeke is, right. number one 
running back uh, in, in the NFL. A lot of people claim that Zeke is. Uh, Dak leading the NFL in yardage and all that kind of mm-hmm. setting unprecedented records right now. Right. I think I think the expectation should be that for this reason and this reason alone. For this particular team. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I and really I think for every year, Hart, because if you look at the league, the Cowboys have not been to a conference championship game since the last time they won the Super Bowl in that 95, 96 thing, right? And do you know how hard you have to try to go 20 years without making a conference <laughs> title game? Like, no, it, there's like three or four teams that perpe- perpetually suck. Like, the Dolphins yeah. haven't been there in forever, and they've had a lot of problems. And I, I think the Dolphins might be kind of – I mean, they're going to be bad this year, but you can see traces of their building, right? Flores, yeah. I think, knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and hopefully Tua stays healthy and all those things. But, but my whole point is this uh, – just the sheer odds are that they're going to get there and they have players that can do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe this in football. Obviously, if you, you want to have balance, if you can have balance, you want to be good on both sides of the ball. But I believe that you have to have something that you can go kick the other team's ass with. You have to have one area mm-hmm. where you dominate. Mm-hmm. And that's why... I was all for drafting C.D. Lamb mm-hmm. as opposed to whatever defensive player they could have gotten there that may or may not be on the field right now because what you did was you took an area of strength and you made it even stronger, stronger. Yeah. because the NFL is about withstanding punches throughout the course of a game and then being there to pounce when the opportunity's there. And by turning the ball over, you take yourself out of that situation. But like even even like these great teams, oh my God, this great team, go back and watch those early 90s. Cowboys. Yeah. Now, it's people remember the Super Bowls where they kicked ass. Yeah. It was a bloodbath just to get out of the division. Yeah. yeah Every year they Philly didn't go was kick good. everybody's ass. Washington they went, was yes. good. Yes. <laughs> the Giants were good. No and, and and that is a quote unquote dynasty. Yeah. But the the difference between them and the Giants and the Redskins were always couple possessions. Mm-hmm. And so football is about maintaining. Every game is its own entity. Maintain that battle all the way to the end. Don't do stupid stuff that's going to hurt you. And then put yourself in a position to finish them off. Now, obviously, if you can be Pat Mahomes and drop 60 every week, That's that's the cheat well, code. Not, there were two games, Chargers and the game against New England. They they kind of held them in check. Yes, a little bit. The yes. defenses did, and I think when 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 teams start to, you know, set the tone, try to set a tone against you, no matter how great you are, you're gonna have a little bit of success. That's where I I, I kind of you know I like to play devil's advocate, Skin, mm-hmm. just from us working together for so many years. I, I agree that the offense and the talent is gonna win out mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. But man, I I just really feel like in this unique season, if you can't you can't defend people, and offenses are the 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 NFL is just like the NBA now. It's all about points, 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 points. Everybody's dropping back. Everybody's in the shotgun, and they're passing. You, how many? I've never seen so many reverse calls. Mm-hmm. You know where the the touchdown that Beckham scored there was yeah. on a reverse. Everybody's right. trying to reverse and get their skilled players. Out in the out in the open to try to score. So so the point part of it, scoring and and talent winning out, you're gonna face a, you're gonna have a game where you're gonna be in a bloodbath like you're talking about where it's gonna be six to six. Can the Cowboys win those kind of games? Is what I keep asking myself. I as as a guy that that that's watching them every single Sunday. I mean I okay, watch them that's religiously. A, that's a fair question. 
But I would say if they're in a game that's six to six, what a miracle! Well, I, not exactly yeah. six. six. I, I don't, I, I don't yeah. mean that. They're too good offensively, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, and and they're too bad defensively to hold anybody to six. <laughs> right. But but no. But I do. I think that I I believe in Dak. And I've believed in Dak since, you know, really the fourth week of his rookie season, right. knowing that he's going to take his hits and he's going to have his ups and downs. Every quarterback does, okay? Yes, yes. There's going to be times where Pat Mahomes comes down to earth. Everybody has their ups and downs, mm-hmm. um, especially in the first four. I can remember distinctly when Ben and I were doing a show on The Fan, I can remember about five or six years ago, almost every host on that station, they won't say differently right. almost every host on that station thought russell wilson wasn't that good mm-hmm. <laughs> and i remember thinking you guys are on crack yeah, i mean yeah. <laughs> dude he's not the best in the world but yeah. that guy can play yeah and and what happens with quarterbacks each season they play and they yeah. don't get hurt their brain just swells yeah, yeah. and there's not anything russ hadn't seen and that guy is dazzling yeah, he's yes. in that sweet spot in his career yes, he where he's still an incredible athlete he sees it all yeah. he doesn't make mistakes he can pull things out of his butt yeah. that guy is so special but in football we're so quick to say someone can and can't do something right. based on a current set of circumstances Since where man know, i don't know point, if my man. tackle is hurt or not yeah and it's just you don't it, weigh everything that's involved it, think about like the your basketball career now, you're on the floor with five guys, right. and each guy has an assignment. Can you imagine doubling that on every single play, having mm-hmm. 11 guys, and if one guy has a terrible mistake, the whole thing could collapse? Mm-hmm. And that's every play. It is mind-blowing to me that NFL offenses work how they do with you're depending on 11 guys to not make a mistake every single down. Mm. And and that that is like that is such an impressive feat, and that's why I understand the infatuation the Joneses had with Garrett because he seemed organized yeah. and he seemed like very good about getting guys in the right place, and 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 that's all. It's, there's so much to coaching and organizing, yeah, and, and then the guys have to go out there and, and, and get it done. And get it done. Yeah, it's true. And that's I mean, why you know you, when people make Jason a big Garrett deal, Garrett wasn't jumping off sides. Right in a crucial right. situation, right. you know what I mean. There's right. nothing he can do with, 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 with that as a coach. I don't care how good you are. Some I, of the Bill Parcells, the all-time great coaches, Don Shula, right? Those guys. If your team is penalized, the way the Cowboys are, they're going to lose. In the year, they're not going to have success. It's Bill Parcells simple. once said at a press conference, "I don't coach turnovers." Right. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, but you know what I was, I was. Uh, I was thinking about there. Man, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. We were going. We were jamming. We are doing you so good. You don't have to. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. You, you had something interesting you wanted to talk about, I thought. Well, I think, I think every single week that we have uh, different things that we can get into that are yeah. interesting. I'm, I was just open real. Open run, baby. That's, it's open that's run. It's but I was real curious about this, and maybe we'll wrap with this. Um, how often, because I have a theory about people like you, people that are around sports and things yeah. like that. How often do you interact with folks that are way different than you and think way different than you? A lot, man. That is such an interesting question. Um, a lot. I mean, from a coach's standpoint, uh, from fans to your teammates to the medical staff, I mean, you you, you know that basically you're around it just as much as I am, even more, because you cover everything. You know, it, it goes back to what we, we've touched on before, that we're all different. Mm-hmm. And we think differently. 
But it's something about sports to me, man, that 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 kind of shields or hide that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because there's one agenda, and that's to go out and try and beat the heck out of whoever is in front of you and, and, and do it collectively, do it as a group. But, I, I mean, I, I'm not really even sure how to answer the question, but, I mean, a lot. But you still have to depend on those people. Right. I, I take one, I'll give you one, one example that, that sticks out to me on the difference in people. Uh, right before the, the season start, with all of the, the, the protests that was going on, uh, Drew Brees yes. with, the, uh, with the, the Saints made some comments about something that he strongly d- believed in. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Jenkins, a lot of the, the other Saints problems had a problem with it because they, they deeply are against unequality, mm-hmm. racism, things of that nature. And it just goes deep, man. I mean, the, 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 there's a thing, there's a story, there's a, a saying that you can't judge another man until you walk in their shoes. Right. And I, 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 I try to live by that. I don't know how you live, Skin. I don't know what goes on in your everyday life, how you raise your kids. I don't know that. You t- I think we take for granted that people are doing the best that they can, that they're teaching their kids the proper thing, that we're living the proper way. But a lot of if if you're ignorant to something, can you really be blamed? That's yes, that's a great point. You understand if you don't know, right. if you don't know something. I mean, I do stupid stuff, right? You know, I, I, do, I don't. And we all do, right? Yeah, we all do. We 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 do bad things, man. Sometimes, and there's a consequence for it. But does that make you the worst human being that that there is? I mean, I'm not into it. I'm not racist. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But do I think positive all the time? If if my son is on a on a basketball team, hell, I want my son to play. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Now, am I going to say the reason he's not playing is because the coach is white and doesn't like him? Hell no, I'm not going to say that because I don't know a coach in the world that doesn't want to win more than they want to sit my son right. uh, as far as being a player. I don't right. I don't believe that. So right. take that Nonsense somewhere else. That's you understand I what I'm that. saying? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. if you're good enough, it, it's not a coincidence that, and I'm not bragging about me, but out of 16 years, I started 12 years. Mm-hmm. I started my last year in the NBA in Los Angeles. So evidently you, you're doing something to be out on the floor. So don't don't give me that black and white thing about every situation. I right. mean, I'm a black man. I support my brothers, my sisters. I'm down for the cause of change mm-hmm. wholeheartedly will always be because I'm fighting I'm fighting a real fight because I, I have a, a granddaughter that's black and white. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to fight for her and for 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 just things being equal right in, in, in America. But I mean, to just sit here and say everybody is bad, man, I'm just not going to – I'm not ready to go there. Yeah, I'm not either. And I think – I'm glad you brought up the Drew Brees situation because I think yeah. that's such an interesting, you know, kind of as, uh, aspect of what I'm talking about. You know, Drew Brees said what he said, uh, and it wasn't malicious or huh. mean-spirited. He was sort of ignorant to other people's perspectives. Well, and his he was talking about his family members, his mm-hmm. grandfather, his great-grandfather. Right. All of those guys were military guys. Right. And I don't think Drew understood, Skin, that the reason Kaepernick in 216 was protesting. It had nothing to do 
with, with people that served. It right. was basically, basically, he was basically talking, Cap, that is, was talking about police brutality. That yeah. was his main focus. And he made that very clear. So you have to, we, we have to listen to one another and listen and understand the, the intent of, of a situation like that. That's the key point. You just said it right there, Harp, is that most people are not willing to put forth the effort to listen. Right. Unless something happens to them to force them to do it. Personally. And, and that's what happened to Drew Brees when he saw the backlash. He's like, wait, my teammates that I go to war with, they're saying this about me? Well, right. hold on. So instead of like, I kind of, I really grew to respect him a little bit more yeah. out of all that because he said, okay, hold on. Yeah. I'm going to examine I'm going to examine what I'm saying, and I'm going to yeah. try to fix. And that's what, to me, what all of this is about. Look, especially people that work in media and sports, and mm-hmm. we all got egos. Yeah. You know, we all have to do, you know, do things to keep our that's egos real, in check that's and real. work with other people with egos yeah. and figure out how to. And, and when you have an ego, a lot of times, hmm. a big ego, a lot of times your first reaction is, oh, yeah, MFR will let me take, you know. And st- Especially us yes. as men. Yes. You know, yes. I, and I'm not going to say women don't, but I think women are so much. They're so more mature than we are mm-hmm. when it comes to certain things and, and, and not having as much ego. They really are. They've been sitting there watching us full, well, all, be full together, of ass. <laughs> women work together way better than men do. In general, yes, yeah, absolutely. That, that's just my thoughts. But continue on. Well, well, no, no. And I, I like you throwing that out there because I, I feel like this moment in time, look, at it, there's ebb and flow and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't live through the, the 60s and the civil rights movement. I can't yeah. tell you what collective feelings were at that time. I can read books and all that stuff but this feels like a moment and i just the thing that i know i'm working on personally and i'm trying to communicate to people the best way that i can because i can offend people and then they'll tune me out is the idea of not thinking that you know everything and immediately defending your you know emotional terrain and your ideological terrain and being open to listen to people that have different experiences with you yeah. and the best way to do that is to actually engage with people yeah. uh, here, here's you're, what got you're me talking thinking about, about this educating yourself that's yes. what you're talking about Absolutely. you have to educate yourself i had to educate myself about the new jim crow about slavery you, you, you hear about it you know it exists but to actually know about it mm-hmm. You, you have to pick up a book. You have to do your due diligence on actually what has taken place. And it doesn't take a damn Einstein to, to figure out that we have been in bondage for 250 years in the Jim Crow for another 250. So that's 400 plus years that black people have been in, in, in bondage, in, in, in slavery. And, and you, Harp, you've got to go to the next step and go, okay, well, what is the why? Like, yeah. if I show you stats that say, hey, uh, African-Americans represent 25% of the population, yet they represent 60% of the present population. Right. Well, you took math. You know, that doesn't that doesn't add up. (laughs) And uh, so so what the the next step is to go, Okay, why? And if you're because if you're not going to do that, you're out of ignorance. You're going to automatically deduce that. Well, black people are doing bad stuff over here. Oh, you think so? So you think black people are inherently bad? No, these are situations. And so why? And I don't don't mean to keep interrupting you. You know, I'm not doing it on purpose. Yeah, I, I, I just think that the system. 
the system was set up that way. It is. It yeah, was. The, the, it, it, it still is. And the ramifications yeah. still happen every day. Absolutely. Yes. That, that, that's exactly how and, I and feel that's what, about And that's it. what we mean when we say systemic racism. And people hear a word, Systemat- yeah. and they don't want to engage with the word. And a lot of the people that aren't engaging with the word are good people that if they used – you yeah. know their abilities. It, it this is this all this is about is making it right. Yeah, it's not about some wild agenda yeah. to overthrow anybody. It's about making it right. Yeah, and I've told my a lot of my conservative friends, conservative Republican friends, I'm like, yeah. man, you would be surprised how many African American people actually know that would vote the way you vote if we could get the social issues thing worked out. I agree. Because a lot of this, I know personally, growing up in sports. I'm competitive, yes. and I'm surrounded by competitive people. Right. But I like to compete when it's let's go. I don't be like, all right, let's put the five best guys over here, and then these other five will try to beat them. That ain't right. right. That's just, that. I don't get anything from that. I never wanted to stack a team and run the court all day. Right. I wanted to beat the guys that I were stacking did. their team. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying, yeah, though, exactly. man. I feel the same way. You're, I'm teasing you now, but I feel the same way. Yeah. I'd rather – I won a high school championship, to your point, Skin. And we didn't have the talent to win a championship. I had a six, a five, two five eleven guard uh, uh, forwards. <laughs> I played the point guard at six three. In high <laughs> Bigger school. than we, the forwards. <laughs> yeah, I was I was taller than the forwards. But you're talking about some gritty, hardworking, hard nosed guys. That's what they were. So certainly you want to take less and do more, mm-hmm. if, if any way possible. But when it comes to what we're talking about, when we're talking race. All we're asking for is an even field. Exactly. That's all you're asking for. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be less. Just even. That, and that's Get, what that's what addressing systemic racism is about. Yeah. Is evening out. Yes. So that we, all these ideals that people serve our country for, we can uphold those ideals. Because yes. we can go fight overseas, but we're not doing it in our own backyard. Right. That's what this is about. And and everyone, and me and Ben have had him on our show many times. Everybody needs to realize Nate Boyer, the teammate that went to, to Cap and yes. said, hey, instead of sitting over here, what if you were to kneel? Yes. That was a because guy that he served. Was a, sir, yeah, I was yes. just going to say. He served in the, in the, I think it was the Marines. I'm not really sure. He he I can't remember. He went he served and he went to UT and walked on at UT and yeah. then I can't remember the exact story yeah. but Yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. It's really I, interesting. I found that very interesting. I find all of this interesting. And the main reason I do so much, we know what the past has been, mm-hmm. right? We know that we've been discriminated against and all of these things for years and years and years. We're begging for equality, we're begging for equal rights. How do we get there? Is what I keep saying, and what and the question I keep echoing to everybody: How how does it change? It's not just going to change by us doing a podcast, talking once a week about it or twice a week about it. Right. Some real action has to take place, man, and I think it starts with the government, man. So, I think you really have to get some fair people in, in, in government that the, the the Supreme Court, I mean, th- that that really believe. And building things the proper way for everybody to have a, an equal opportunity. Okay, so here's my, my feeling on that. I think fundamentally you're right. My worry is that I, I don't trust the government to do it right. And so I personally believe that it has to come from the private sector. Like, it has to come from Walmart, and it has to come from Amazon. Yeah. Because if you look at when the pandemic hit, that's who the government turned to. 
Yes, they turn to these the private sector. Yes, and so if, if the things the wealthy that, private the wealthy sector. private sector. Yeah. So the things that give me hope is that when the George Floyd stuff happened, NASCAR said, "You know what? We're not going to tolerate this Confederate flag anymore." And they knew that they would take yeah. a hit with a segment of their a lot of things their, that their, came down. Yes, it. yes. And so when when big entities that have a lot of money at stake, mm-hmm. when they start making changes that they know are going to be unpopular with a certain segment of the population, that's when I start getting hope. The If you look at the way the NFL dealt with cap and then the way that they're dealing with things now, for a monolith like that, that's a pretty big change. Now, it's not where we need to be, right. but when I start seeing people actually put their money where their mouth is, yeah. the Walmarts, the NFLs, these entities, I'm like, okay, maybe we can get somewhere because – you know, I, I just think that most, quote-unquote, middle-class people, they know right from wrong, and they don't want their kids thinking that they were old racist bigots. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, there's a moment where people in that space are feeling that, yeah. and they want I, to do the right thing. Yeah, they need I, to be taught how to do the right man, thing. I just wish I was one of these people that could just figure this shit out. I'm, me too, man. I'm I with really you. do. I I'm just wish you. we could figure this out, man, because, you know— it's just been too long, man. And and I've said it. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times, man. People, because of racism, slavery, bigotry, whatever you want to call it, man. Because of that, that simple existence, it has put a lot of people in the kind of pain, man. That unless you had to deal with unimaginable, skin, man, you can't imagine the yeah. kind of pain it is, man. It, yeah. It, it, I don't know. I, you know, like, and I agree with you that that people are trying to, you know, make things better, just not happening fast enough, as right. far as I'm concerned. Agreed. Yeah. And all we can do is keep putting our energy and efforts into yeah. it until we can force the change will. that we want, man. Yeah. So let's go full circle. We talked a little bit, a little bit about everything. Yeah. Let's end it with this ridiculous stat. That I heard. <laughs> Hear your stats. <laughs> I think now you got to take last year out because LeBron didn't play the season, mm-hmm. and you know they had their injuries. I think I know where you're going, but I'm going to let you. I'm not going to steal your thunder. I believe this year's Lakers uh-huh. and his last year in Cleveland, when LeBron went into the fourth quarter with the lead, he is 106 and one. Are you serious? I'm serious. Where the hell did you get that? I heard it on the radio. My buddy Jake. Jake does some podcasts with the machine on the Mavs Podcast Network. And I heard him saying that on the radio. Repeat that. So so our viewers. So so uh, this year so this year the Lakers have only lost, I believe, or maybe they're undefeated going into the fourth quarter. I think it's like 50 games or yeah. whatever it is. When they have a lead. When they have a lead going in the fourth quarter. Damn. And then in uh, LeBron's last year in Cleveland, so there's the weird year sandwiched yeah. in between where they weren't trying yeah, yeah. to compete. Yeah. So when they were in Cleveland, and that was his last hurrah there, they were uh, had only lost with a fourth quarter lead once when they were headed into the fourth. So combined the two seasons, it's 106-1. and one. Going LeBron going into the fourth with with two completely different teams, right? That's yeah. two completely. Di- this is the thing I always I always say to like to okay, Dirk took almost two completely different teams to the finals five years apart. Mm-hmm. A Jet is the only guy that was on both of those teams. Oh, in wow. the era of when you put all these teams together, yeah. Dirk 
went to two different finals, yeah. five years apart with one common player. Points to his greatness. Points to his greatness. Yeah, and 106 no and one it. going into the fourth. If that doesn't point to greatness, Harp, I don't know well, what else we could say about the I, man. I, it, it points to greatness, no question about it. And both those guys have had great careers, Hall of Fame, first ballot guys. When you start talking LeBron and talking Dirk, but you know Dirk better than I do, Skin. I, I mean, I've been around Dirk a little bit, but I, I, I just don't know anybody that doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. And when you like somebody, whether they're black, white, I like you. You dig what I'm saying? I like I can, you, Hart. I can sit up and <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I can sit up and <laughs> with you. We have before. You know what I'm saying? And when you like somebody and, and, and they're your teammate, mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing they won't do for you for you to be successful and you guys come together and be successful as yeah. a group. Yeah. And I think that has a, he has a, what, what, his personality is just so likable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. people don't know, and I'll say this, Dirk will understand what I'm saying, how goofy Dirk is. Yeah. He I embraces mean, it. He embraces it. Yeah. He tries to rap. Yeah. You know, Dirk, <laughs> I mean, doing shoot around, you get to see this guy doing shoot around. He makes fun of Mark Followell's The Color of Our Suits, (laughs) things like that. You know what I mean? He's just a fun-loving person, man. And I think people just pour out everything that they have to help him be successful, man. Because you know as well as I know, Skin, it didn't start off peaches and creams for dirt. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, Yeah. it was bad, man. They tried to take the D out of his name because he didn't play defense. (laughs) Right, right. They were calling him Irk. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And to me, to overcome all of that kind of stuff, man, it— it, it, it's more than a notion. People- when, when they were t- when they were talking, and I say they, the media were talking about quote unquote soft euros. Yeah, he was the poster child yeah, for that. Of that, he had to represent what was perceived as softness. Listen, I, I don't see him as soft. I don't hell. No. I don't see Dirk Nowitzki plays through soft. injuries. Yeah, not not and that, not, that and I don't think that's what they meant a lot of times when they were calling right. Dirk soft. Right. Skin. They mean he could be punked or well, yeah, bullied we or anything. We can say it. You right. dig what I'm saying? Dirk know they were saying that. Oh, he knows. David West. Yeah. Own Dirk and all of those kind of things. He knows that. But I swear to God that I, I would walk down an alley with Dirk Nowitzki. I would. Because, number one, I know he's going to have my back. Mm-hmm. He's a loyal son of a you-know-what. Absolutely. He's a loyal guy. He's been loyal to the Mavericks, what was it, 20 years? Yeah. That he stayed right here and played. And I think if you, you push the wrong button with Dirk Nowitzki, you'll get it. He'll fight. He'll I really down. feel like that. I, I believe it because too. you don't fight in sports and won't physically protect yourself if right. you have to. Right. That's simple. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for Dirk. I, I don't care. You know, they're different kind of leaders. You know what I'm saying? And I, I made a comment once that Dirk said he wasn't a leader, then he's not a leader. However, you lead in different ways. When I played in New York, Charles Oakley was probably our leader from a physical standpoint, Steve. Mm-hmm. He would get in people's people's face and you know, I'd never forget Jim Peterson came at me once. Oak pushed me down <laughs> to get to him. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, he yeah. pushed me to the floor. Like, I got any big guy, I got him. Don't you worry about it. So Oak went on, on New York radio and said about Patrick that he wasn't a leader. Now, there are different kinds of leaders, right? Mm-hmm. There are leaders that do it the way Oak does it. There are leaders that comes early, stays late. Set the right example all the time. I put Dirk in that category right. because you had to lock him out of the arena. Right. Doesn't mean you don't have to be in people's face, I guess is what my point is. Right. To be a leader. Right. Plain and simple. 
You can't tell me that Patrick Ewan, by being the first guy there at, 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 at the practice facility, the last guy to leave, mm-hmm. that he's not a lit leader. You don't want to let the guy down that's setting the standard. That's it. You in just, a nutshell. You do not want to let that guy and down. And when I tell you you can't treat everybody the same as an organization, as a coach, as a GM, your best players have to be treated a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I think it was Jimmy Johnson got rid of a guy for falling asleep in the weight in the yes. uh, film room. Linebacker, right? dude. Uh, and he got a question, Skin. As to if it was Troy Aikman, what would you have done? Mm-hmm. And Jimmy said, wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's right. not going to get rid of your, your QB. Right. And that's the way I look at leadership, man, and, and, and the way you deal with certain people, man. But, you know, it is what it is. We know Dirk is great, man. There's nothing. Everything, I, I, I say it to you guys all the time, everything that has come that kid's way, he, and he's not a kid anymore, of course, but everything that Dirk has gotten throughout his career – he deserves it, man. Absolutely. Yeah, he deserves the same thing for myself. He's not Dirk is not the only one that's benefited from being being good on and off the court as a player. And and is he perfect? Not at all. He wouldn't even he wouldn't agree to being perfect. But you know, for, the guy's great in a lot of different ways, man. Is what I'll say about Dirk. Dirk. Well, I love ending it talking about Dirk. And also, we should just say. Next week, there will be a special surprise on this podcast. There will be. We won't tell everybody what it is. I'm not going to tell anybody. But there will be a special surprise. There will be a special surprise, somebody that's dear to both of us. So I'm looking forward to next week. Not going to enjoy you being gone because you don't know how you bring out a lot of me when it comes to sitting down here on uh, Open Run. Well, I I love doing it, Harp. It's a lot of fun, man. Keep it going.